What is the theme? What have we what have we been looking at for the last two weeks? Anybody know? What what is the topic that I'm trying to get across? Whether we're getting it or not, that's your that's okay. But what what are we trying to get across? What are we? What's the topic? Knowing the heart of God, trying to get to know the heart of God. That's what we're trying to get across now. And it's, and it's, um, is that, let me just ask you, do you think that's an easy assignment? I mean, do you think we just naturally as the children of God, do you think we naturally just know the heart of God? I mean, do you think it's e- do you think it's just real easy to say, "Oh yeah, I I know the heart of God." I mean, well, how come you pray and ask for things that don't get answered? L- let me read. Let's read a passage here. And this is tricky. I I love this kind of stuff. I mean, this is this. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to. Um, 1 John chapter 5. Let's just kind of take off on this. Knowing the heart of God, knowing, knowing the heart of our Father. 1 John chapter 5. <clears throat> all right, we all there? And verse 11, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's pretty clear, wouldn't you say? That's very clear. Either you have the Son and you have life, you don't have the Son, you don't have life. Now look at verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name. So he's saying, it, I'm writing this to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. It's important. I think from the heart of God, the perspective of God, God wants us to know. This, this idea, if someone says, are you a Christian? And, you, and I've had this answer so many times. Well, I think so. And somebody might say, well, I sure hope so. Anybody had that? I mean, I sure hope so. I've heard that one several times. I sure hope so. Well, what does God say about that? These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Not I hope so. I cross my fingers and hope so. I sure would like to, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Verse 14, and this is, look at these key words, look, and this is the confidence. You see that? Confidence that you may know. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That's kind of what we were talking about this morning. Having the confidence that we trust God no matter what the circumstance. We we know that He doesn't make any mistakes. We know His heart is a heart of love toward us. He loves us. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, 
He heareth us. And we know that if he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. <laughs> All right, I want y'all to think about that. It's not a trick question, but scripture. How many, and you don't have to raise your hands, of course, but how many of us have prayed and we were confident, we believed, we even had scripture to back it up, and we believed, uh, and we prayed, and it didn't happen. Anybody have that experience? One, I will say, um, and I've told this story uh, three times, four times in 36 years, so some of you may remember, but uh, Martha Martin. She was a dear, dear friend of ours. Ken Martin was a close friend. He still is uh, pretty close. He, he lives in Plano. And uh, they had four little blonde-headed little boys. And Martha, in her late 30s, early 40s, got cancer. <clears throat> so she started treatment, started, and it, uh, you know, went on. My wife was very involved. Other ladies from the church were very involved in going to her house, helping her with house cleaning chores and things she couldn't do. This went on for quite some time, and her cancer started spreading, and it started getting worse and worse, and we prayed. We prayed and prayed and prayed for her. We prayed. We thought scriptural prayers she was obedient to her parents, and the Bible said if you're obedient to parents, you'll have a long life. And we prayed, God, please heal her. God, she's got four little bitty boys. She doesn't need to go to heaven this soon. This is too early. And this is the only experience that I've ever had. I'm not trying to be weird or spooky or anything, but I believed it so much that the day of her funeral, she was in the casket, and I honestly believe that she's going to get up out of that casket. Now, I know that sounds weird, and you probably say, you might write me off and say, that's it. I've been looking for a good excuse, and that's it. But I'm telling you, I, we had faith that she was going to get well. She was obedient to her parents. She loved her parents. She never gave her parents one moment of grief. She had four little boys, a happy marriage, and she died. And my wife and this other lady from the church was there with them in Dallas and Plano the weekend before she died. And she got their hands and prayed. You can imagine this mother's, maybe you can understand this, maybe you can't. But she held her hands and she prayed and led them in prayer for Ken's new wife to raise these kids because she knew that she was dying and she wasn't going to live very long. And she prayed, God, send him a godly wife to raise my children. And he did marry again. You know who he married? He married the church secretary. She was single. She was like in her 30s, 35 or so. And they've had a child or two. 
and she had never been married, and it was just incredible. Incredible story. But we were there at the, at the funeral, and it was absolutely uh, so devastating because I really believed that God was going to heal her. So where did we get it wrong? That's what I'm, it says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Anything according to his will. The only thing is, I didn't know his will about her length of life. I was based on, you know, she was obedient to her parents, which I thought that was good and scriptural. But God has our days, our days are numbered. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So anybody else pray for something that you were confident was God's will, that God was going to answer in the affirmative, like yes, and it didn't happen. Has that happened? Anybody? Could I just see your hands? Anybody else pray for something and God said no? Anybody? Okay. So the rest of you that didn't raise your hands, I would just assume that y'all have such a tight line to God that you always get it right every time. So, but it, do y'all see the dilemma? If you really believe, it's not like, all right, let's do some wild, exaggerated example. I'd like to become a millionaire by the time I'm 76. God, I'd like to become a millionaire. Well, it kind of clarifies according to his will. So what are some things? Now, this is, I'm trying to lead up to this idea of getting to know the heart of God. I think as we, I think we can pray, I think we can get it right more times than not if we understand the heart of God. Right. If we are learning the heart of God, we'll get it. We'll be able to pray more accurately. Does that make sense? If we know the heart of God, we can pray more accurately. What is one prayer? It's an obvious prayer that you can pray if you. Well, let's see. Now we get into doctrine. <laughs> OK, uh, let's see if um, if you're in the in my camp, <laughs> if you're in my camp. If there's one prayer that I could pray if I meet a person and I discern they're not saved, I could pray for their salvation and be confident that I'm, I'm on target. Now, they may or may not accept Christ. But I can pray for them with confidence. I can pray for salvation. I, I can pray for salvation with confidence because I know God's will is that they would be saved. What's another example? Salvation. What's another example? Anybody have any ideas? What would be another example of something scripturally that you could pray for that you believe would be accurate and you would be hitting the mark if you prayed for it? Anybody have any ideas or thoughts? Harmony, Harmony and unity in the body. Woo! That's good. You know, does anybody remember the, the series I did? And this was in the other building about uh, 
women speaking in tongues in the church. <laughs> you might remember that. And that was the day, that was, that was the time when uh, uh, some of the young ladies made signs because Scripture says that they're to keep silent in church. And they, they made signs and they were in the back. And when I would say something really strong and profound, they'd hold up their sign and say, Amen. Then they'd put it down. I'd say something else, Amen. They put it down. And even some of the, this, some of our people really have tested the pastor because they came with duct tape on their mouth. And I told them, I said, Look, just because we teach this and preach this doesn't mean that we're going to have an usher standing at the gate giving you duct tape to put over your mouth. But you've got to understand that when I came here, there were women teaching classes with men in, in the class. And, and that's not for today. It'll be for another day. But there's plenty of scripture talking about the fact that women are not to be teachers and exercise authority over men just very clear so anybody else have any idea or thought that would go along and then we'll move into the next area anybody what would be something you could pray for you could pray with some confidence that you feel like that this is a scriptural prayer and it would be with confidence anybody I mean surely there's something out here okay Dwight all right let's get a mic let's get mic guys come on fast 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 Hurry. Y'all are too slow. We're going to dock your pay, boys. <laughs> right over here, Mr. Hewlin. There you go. Good job. There you go. This is really along the, the lines of knowing the heart of God, but there was a time where I really wrestled with God and asked him, I, I literally begged him. I was really questioning him, saying, you know, if, if I'm willing, if I'm telling you in advance that I'm going to obey your will, like I'm going to commit to you that whatever you say, I'm going to obey, you know, why would you withhold your will from me? Why would you make it so hard for me right, to discover? Right, right. And uh, he answered that prayer, and it was extremely painful. The answer was because you don't really love me and you don't really seek to know me. Whoa. And the analogy God gave me was in the same way if Bernie and I, if I go to Bernie and I say, if I tell her, no matter what you want for Christmas, I'm committing to you in advance. I'll get you whatever you want. You just tell me and I'm going to go buy it. That's obedient. It's an obedient heart. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What does Bernie really desire? That I know her? I seek after her. I desire her so much that I would, when I'm in a store, I would say, you know, she would love that. Mm -hmm. In other words, I would know her heart mm -hmm. so much so that discerning her will right, right. would be so easy. So what God was really saying is, if you seek after me, right. then knowing my heart is a natural outcome. In other words, spend time with me, right. know me, seek after me. You will know, uh, you know, it's, you don't have to, you just know me. Exactly. You know? And so that's where I think you're right as far as that's the hard part about when you pray and God doesn't answer it. To me, it is proof positive. You, I didn't know his heart. Right, right. Exactly. Because I'm asking for something that 
if he didn't answer it, then, you know, his will. <laughs> yeah. so that's a very tough one because that's like you said, that's a struggle. Because yeah, I'm obviously asking for something that's not in his will if it doesn't come to pass. Right, right. And so it's kind of a, for me, it's a kind of a correction. It's like, okay, I missed this one, God. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I'm not seeking after you and loving you like I should. Right. right. And a lot of our prayers, so let's just be really honest. You know, I've listened to a lot of people pray in prayer meetings, okay? I've, I've heard a lot of praying in prayer meetings. And I don't mean this in a condemning fashion at all. But I'm going to tell you, if we're just honest, a lot of our prayers, number one, they're selfish. A lot of our praying is selfish. I, it's, I mean, I wanted Martha to live because we loved Martha. We didn't want to give her up. And we weren't thinking about, you know, it's, it, we weren't thinking about, man, she's about to go in the presence of God. You know, she's about to be in, you know, no sin. I mean, all, I mean, we weren't thinking of that. We were thinking selfishly, we still want her and need her here. Does that, does that make sense? So a lot of our praying, I believe, that's just my personal opinion. I think a lot of our praying is very selfish. And another thing, and, I, and again, I just, I, 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 ha- I say it and I hate to say it, because I don't want people to become self-conscious. But from time to time when we are in prayer meeting or we hear people praying as they're rig counting, now God, so-and-so's in the hospital and he's in room 452 and he's got cancer and he's dying. The doctors are saying, we're telling God all the things God, I mean, he's in room 452? And we're trying to inform God of this and let God, oh, by the way, God went to sleep at the wheel. Oh, what room's he in? I need to catch up on this. I need to figure out where he is. No, it's like we are, so so much of our praying is, it's just human and we can't help it. That's why I think it's so wonderful. Again, back to the heart of God. We don't know how to pray. And we have one interceding for us. And on our behalf, and we can cry, Abba, Father. Do you understand? I mean, it begins to all make sense when I think about how human I am and how human we are. But back to Glenn's point. I think that's a, uh, when we talk about that, I, I'm so convinced that God, he's, the scripture says he's not the author of confusion, Right? God, and that's why that's why when I've preached those series and I've I've done things on speaking in tongues and women in church and all of that, I've made the statement from the pulpit over there. I've made the statement: you take the women out of the charismatic movement, and you wouldn't have a charismatic movement. That was that was back twenty five years ago. But if you take so. And when it says women are to keep silent in the churches in 1 Corinthians 14, I believe it is, 1 Corinthians 14, that is corporate, that's, a, that's corporate worship. That's why that can connect to worship where women were speaking in tongues and the scripture says they were not to speak in tongues. They were to be silent. And women are not to teach or exercise authority over men. Now, along with Paul Quinette's point this morning, 
Look at what the world is doing. Have y'all just recently heard that the Methodist church, the whole thing of the Methodist church, I mean, their churches are leaving the Methodist church right and left. They're splitting. You know what they're splitting over? Anybody know? Women in church, women in leadership. Women in leadership. Do you know that five Southern Baptist churches have just been recently kicked out of the Southern Baptist Convention? Did y'all know that? Do you know the church, the big one in California? Uh, the, huh? Rick Warren, he's retired now. But Rick Warren, they've been removed from the Southern Baptist Convention. Do you know why? They've had women pastors. And they've removed five churches out of the Southern Baptist Convention in the last little bit. Now, some of the stuff that you're that is being said, they're saying that because of all the bad stuff that just was exposed in the Southern Baptist Convention, they needed something to um, bring a distraction. So they use that as a but. I just, I, I thought this is, I'm encouraged to think they took a stand against five churches that had women pastors. And they removed them from the convention roles. They're no longer in the Southern Baptist Convention. Over, so, but the world, listen, it's not uncommon today to drive down the street and see on the sign, pastor so-and-so, it'd be a woman's name. It's not uncommon at all. So what is the world saying? Well, the world, and we might as well face it, they're moving in a direction where one day they'll want to draft your daughters into the military. Because women are equal to men in all respects and all that. But they're, they're not basing anything on the Word of God. So when we are striving as a church, as a believer, to know the heart of God, I think... There's really only one real way to know the heart of God, and that's to be in the Word of God. I don't, I don't know of another way. I don't think you can listen to sermons. I don't think you can, you know, read hardback books from the Christian bookstore. I really don't think you can know the heart of our Father apart from knowing His heart from His Word. And I think it's more than just, than just reading it. I think it's... I, I'm real big on small sections. I, I'm not the guy that talks about volumes. I'm talking about understanding something small. Something that I can ruminate. Something I can meditate on. Think about. And, and it's been through that. It's been, for me, the most successful way to begin to learn the heart of my father. And then when my father speaks, I recognize his voice and I can clearly distinguish his voice from the enemy's voice. See, because when we get thoughts in our minds, those fiery darts from the enemy, he's putting thoughts in our minds that shouldn't be there, that are unscriptural then we need to be able to discern that and detect that and pick that up immediately and deal with it on a scriptural basis. Does that make sense at all? I mean, 
So what would, if we have a fiery dart come our way with a thought that would cause division or a thought that would cause, you know, uh, an attack, uh, what, what are we going to deal? How are we going to deal with it? We're going to have to recognize the source. And I'm constantly reminded that some of the thoughts that I have didn't come from God. And so we all have to be aware. That's why being in the word of God, letting the word of God speak to you and to our hearts. And I think with time, with enough time, meditating and think, I, I, I don't think you can go wrong with just taking one verse and meditating on it. Just take a verse. Take a verse from God's word. One that was read this morning by Paul. And I think, I think he read this when it was very close. Year of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. How many times have I had to quote that verse back? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We have, there are real attacks from a real enemy that come our way. And he wants to defeat us. He wants to mash us down. He wants us to feel defeated. He wants us to feel inferior. And, and he wants to cause us to get out of the fight. But we need to stand. There's something we can stand on. There's something we can use with that shield of faith. Greater is he that is in you, that's the Lord, than he who is in the world, that's the devil. So it's important that we apply, we read, we meditate, we think about it, we let it speak to our hearts. And then I think with time, as time goes along and as we mature in the grace of God, I really think we can begin to. And then when we pray, then it'll be easier to pray according to God's will because we're knowing the heart of God better. So, any other real quick, Glenn? Yes, sir. <clears throat> yeah, one verse that comes back to me is Psalm 37 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Well, as I've read that countless times each month, it dawns on me. If I delight myself in the Lord, his desires he become is, my desires. He is my desire. Mm. And he's going to give me more of himself. Right. So, yeah, it, when it, you delight yourself in the Lord, he becomes your desire. Right, right. And and it won't be like in our early days. Dear Lord, let me kill a big buck today. Or, dear Lord, let me catch a big bass today. You know, it, it won't be that kind of praying. When our delight is in him, then his desires, what he delights in, will become our... And I'm just convinced he delights in souls being saved. I believe that with all my heart. I just believe he just... Every time a soul is converted, I believe that's a, excitement. That is excitement beyond excitement. And God, I mean, you just take all the verses about Jesus dying on the cross. 
for the whole world, and he's uh, sacrificed. And even even in the uh, uh, gospels, he saw the multitude, and he had compassion on them. And I don't know how many times I thought about that. I see the multitude, and you know what? I I get mad. <laughs> I see the multitude and I see a bunch of weird people. I see the multitude and I see earrings in men. And I see tattoos from their Adam's apple down to their toenails. It is obnoxious. And the way they think. And so when I see the multitudes, I don't feel compassion. But, but knowing his heart helps me it really does and i'm just i'm just telling you the way that a lot of us <laughs> deal with stuff but when we know his heart when you see the multitude if you understand that he in his day when he was walking the earth jesus said he felt compassion for them i need to have that same compassion i need to have compassion for them and not allow the outward to turn me off to the point where I would not share the gospel with them. Does that make sense? It makes sense. So we ought to have, if Jesus had compassion for the multitudes, we ought to have compassion. And I just, I, I just, I, we're so human that it's just obnoxious at times. And so you get, you know, just want to totally withdraw from humanity. But anyway, it's just, a, it's just something that we need to be thinking about. We need to be thinking about the, the way the Father thinks, the way the Lord looks on people, uh, the way he views a soul. I think every soul is important to him. And I believe Jesus died for every soul. And not every soul is going to accept Christ, and not every soul is going to believe on him. But I believe Jesus died for everyone. There's lots of verses that back that up. But... Now, here's another, just as we're moving along this morning, we talked so much about uh, the character of God. God is love. Whatever he brings into our life or allows to come in our life, that he does it, he permits it out of his character of love. Okay, so when you have a trial, when we all have trials, we need to recognize that it's coming to us from love. But listen to this. This is another verse. That's important. Well, let me back up. I'll read 16, 17, and 18 uh, from chapter 4 of First, first John. Uh, and I read part of this this morning. And we have known and believed that love, the love that God hath to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, verse 18, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. My wife and I have had this discussion many, many, many times. We talk about what people are afraid of. People are afraid of this. People are afraid of that afraid of dying, afraid of this. We should only have one fear, and we should fear God. That's it. We shouldn't be intimidated by man. We shouldn't fear man. We shouldn't fear World War III. We shouldn't fear the pandemic. We shouldn't fear. 
we should only have one real fear, and that is we should fear God. But I'm going to tell you, I think that's why the church is in the trouble that we're in, and I, not just uh, I'm talking about the church. And I think that's why America's in the trouble. There is no fear of God. And you know what? Is I think it was Jerry Benjamin that pointed out when he started pointing out, well, this happened and this happened, and he, and he pointed out it was showing acts of mercy on behalf of God. When he saw certain events, they were saying, God's judging. And he said, no, it's not God's judgment. This is the mercy of God because it could have been 10 times worse. So he was pointing out the mercy of God. And we need to be aware that when we see things and events happening and occurring, we shouldn't have a fear of those events. We should fear God. And America and many Christians, because the mercy, because the long-suffering, because the gentleness of God has been so extended that we haven't seen real Strong judgment come in a while. But you can mark it down. The church could be persecuted. Uh, the church could suffer uh, in big ways. And, the, and because that's the promise of God. If you live godly, you will suffer persecution. But there is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. And he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. You know, as we go through, the, get to the end of the day here, we need to be thinking about the week to come. And it's always kind of a little bit concerning. We don't know what this week holds. We really don't. We don't know. It's like I mentioned this morning, the three people on the ATV, and they're driving along, and somehow, some way, and nobody's been able to explain it. I hadn't heard an explanation. But somehow, some way, the accelerator got stuck. They could not stop it. They went over a hill and crashed into a tree. The wife, the grandmother, was killed, dead. The husband had every rib broken in his body and many other bones broken, and he was life-flighted to a hospital, and he's barely surviving. And the brother-in-law, or whoever it was that was with him, the third person, had half of his ribs broken, and he was in very bad shape, but he was able to go to the hospital and then get out quickly. But they, they faith, they just started out, just think about it. Many of us have ridden ATVs and four-wheelers and things, and you know, and had a day out like that. And you think it was fun and games and we enjoyed it. Boating trips like we went on the, you know, out on the boating trip and Linda's daddy fell out of the boat and drowned. I mean, you just don't know what the week has ahead for us. So what we need to do as, a, as we wrap things up for this day, we need to make sure that there is nothing, nothing that we are, that God could point his finger on us in us and say, and I remember Doug Meyer used to say this, God would take his Holy Spirit spotlight and point and say, that's the finger of God and something in your life. I think I, that would be what my goal would be for this day, that when we come to this invitation time and we say amen for the final time for today, that none of us would have anything that God could point to and say, you're holding this in. This is something that should have been dealt with. You should be dealing with it, and you're not dealing with it.
and and I prayer because I think when you know the heart of God, I think this has been my experience. I want to come clean with my father. I want to talk to my father. I want to tell my father how how I love him and how grateful I am. And like Glenn said, and Glenn, that's really wise. Some things you've said in the last two or three services. We delight in him. And I delight in him. And when I fail him, I want to talk to him about it. And I want to be broken and tell him I'm genuinely broken over my sin. So I would hope and pray that we as a church, none of us would leave here with anything in our lives that we're holding on to, that we're not willing to confess, not willing to deal with and say, God, I'm not going to I'm I'm not I'm just going to be hard hearted and stiff necked about this. Please, this is an invitation. And God knew before the foundation of the world who would be here today. And he knew what the messages would be about. And I'm going to tell you. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. It's going to be worth it all. And I just encourage you, all of us, that we would examine our hearts and that we would say at the end of the day, I am closer to the Lord. I know my father's. I know my father better than I ever have before. I'm seeing some things about his character, about his ways, about, uh, about his way he operates, way he works in my life, how he's conforming me, how he says no at times, how he disciplines me. All of these things all tied together help us to understand this is my father, and I'm so thankful to be his child. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the encouragement that the word brings us. I pray that all of us this week would have a, a good week, an exciting week with you, that we would delight in you, that we would delight in your ways, and that, Father, that you would accomplish your will and help us to be sensitive to you, respond to your voice, respond to your promptings, Respond to your uh, cautions when you say, don't look there, don't do that. I pray that it would be sensitive to you and that we would respond to you. It would be, we'd be able to say by next Sunday that it was a wonderful week because we discerned the heart of my Father. I pray that we would be a people of God that know your heart, know your ways, know how you're operating in our lives and help us to get on board with what you're doing. I pray that you'd accomplish your will, bring honor and glory to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.